This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. everyone, welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast on video and audio. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm excited today to be talking with Jennifer Maggio. Thank you for joining me today, Jennifer. Hey, Erica, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I found your website. I was I was searching for some information on women and church and faith and your, your ministry, Life of a Single Mom. Um, it popped up for me and I was like, there's nothing else out there like this, or at least I haven't seen it. And so I immediately started searching. I'm like, who founded this? And I found you on Instagram. And um, I just wanted to know more about it because I think it's such an important ministry right now. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit of the backstory, how you're personally connected to this and what drew you to um, creating this ministry. Yeah, I think like um, every other ministry and nonprofit, uh, much of it is founded based on your own personal experience or really just recognizing a need. And for me, I was a single mom. I um, had my first single parenting experience, actually, because my dad was a single dad. Mm. And, um, my mother was killed when I was about 17 months old. And so my dad became a single dad overnight, certainly unexpected and navigated that many, many years ago when there were no resources and no internet and, um, and nonprofits weren't really much of a thing. And so um, I watched his struggle through the years. I watched his emotional and spiritual struggle as well as, as his financial and parenting struggles and um, certainly did not plan on uh, taking that same trajectory for my own life, but wound up becoming a single mom, um, had two children by the time I was 19 years old, uh, wound up moving into the projects, living on food stamps and welfare, uh, went through an extremely abusive relationship. And really all of the statistics that we kind of hear that are uh, the norm for single moms homes, those were things that I experienced personally. And I cleaned up really well and put myself together at work and at church and in different places. So I'm certain that most people did not understand the magnitude of how difficult my journey was, but that's what was going on behind the scenes. And honestly, I had my white picket fence and my husband and my happily ever after and could have swept all of the journey under the rug and moved on with my life. Mm -hmm. But I felt like that God was calling me to use all these experiences to really give back, to give single moms a voice that they weren't alone, that they weren't the only one. Um, but then also to give them the real life practical um, advice and life skills that they would need to a, um, have financial success, uh, B, understand their worth and value, um, C, be able to successfully raise their children up in the way that they should go. And that's really been the core of who our ministry is. And so how did it get started? What was sort of the initial starting point for you in forming the ministry? Well, I say every day, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, uh, we are embarking upon our 10th year of ministry and I, I just um, take it one step at a time. So initially 14 years ago, I really just started a small single moms group in my home 
through a local church. And there were three single moms that attended that single moms group. I absolutely had no idea what I was doing. I was certain. I didn't know enough of the Bible. I was certain that I didn't have my life together enough to even be serving others in that capacity. But three single moms turned into 75 single moms within about six months. Um, It became one of the largest Bible studies at our church, and it grew um, substantially from there. And so then I began to realize that this was not just a Bible study for single moms in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but it was the idea of forming single moms Bible studies in churches throughout the U.S. So I began to research um, how to write a book because I felt like the Lord was calling me to write a book. When I was teaching um, my mom in my local group, I just didn't feel like there was a lot of curriculum out there. And I felt like what was on the market was very cookie cutter. And Mm -hmm. most of the women that I was serving didn't have a story that cleaned up in a neat little bow. And uh, mine did not. And so I wanted to really be uh, real and raw and honest. Um, And so that was kind of part of the, the story. And then the other part was as more and more churches began to contact me. I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this full time, I've got to formalize it into a nonprofit. Yeah. And had you seen anything out there like it before? Uh, no. So what what I had seen was um, I, I definitely saw a few authors that now, you know, comparatively so, there weren't even that many authors on the scene. Uh, you know, when you think about Christian women's material and uh, women's support materials, there weren't even a lot of authors. And the few that were out there that were being endorsed by churches were all widows um, mm. or they um, maybe their husband abandoned them or there was an addiction type of thing. And so for a girl who had, who had been pregnant four times outside of marriage, two, two miscarriages and two uh, children, I just didn't, I didn't fit into a box anywhere, but yet I knew as boots on the ground, this is what communities are experiencing. This is what churches are experiencing on how to minister to these women effectively. And so I didn't see anything out there. And then when it came to forming single moms groups, there was nothing. I mean, um, even in that day, churches didn't have great material for how to do youth ministry well and how to do women's ministry well. But single moms, it was unheard of. The church, either churches ignored them completely because they they didn't know what to do with them, or they had a heart to serve them. But the only way they knew to do it was with a with a Mother's Day tea or or a, a Christmas outreach. And it's like, okay, that's not getting the job done. And we really feel like ministry is evangelism and discipleship, that there has to be a component of both in order for it to be effective in a church. And so we wanted to um, uh, forge the way on how to do that well and to really grow and reach what what we target, which is the unchurched single mom. Yeah, I think you say you use the word discipleship. And I think that's something that is so often neglected in all kinds of different outreach and ministries. And I think that is the key um, thing to so many, um, so much like spiritual growth and and uh, what people really need when they're out of church. Um, now, I think I read on your website there are 15 million families, single parent families in the United States, and 80 percent of those are headed by women. Um, and you know, I read also a statistic, and maybe you have a more updated one, that something like 80 percent of single moms do not go to church. Um, does that sound right to you? 
uh, it, it's 67 percent, 67 percent last data. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really high. I mean, and, and you and I know like there are so many reasons why they wouldn't. I mean, working like schedule, like it's hard to get kids, kids out of the house. I have um, a five year old and a two year old just for background on me. So I definitely know how hard it is to get these kids out of the house um, to go anywhere. Uh, so. Uh, what I guess, I mean, the other thing is like, I always hear that churches don't do a good job. Like, as just, as you were saying, they don't do a great job with the outreach to this community. Um, so what are you seeing churches needing to improve on? Are you seeing it get better now? Um, and how many churches are you guys in sort of around the country? Yes. So, um, the short answer is yes, we are seeing it improve. And I think it's out of necessity that churches realize that they can't ignore unchurched demographics any longer, whether it be single moms or another. Um, and, and I think that, um, I want to be very clear that our ministry is really about empowering the church and, and honoring the church and the infrastructure that's there and, and really trying to work with pastors to not slap them on the hand, but say, here's how we feel that you can do it better. Um, I think what happens very often is that churches will do a one-time event. They do the Christmas party. They do the, uh, the single moms conference, they do the, the oil change or whatever it might be. And, and, and certainly there's a place for that. And it's a really great way to begin the outreach component. But um, they then transition into a single moms group and three women show up. And they try it for three months or six months or even a year, and it doesn't grow to the degree that they felt like it should. And so they throw in the towel too early. And one of the things our ministry really hones in on is that relationship comes before ministry. People have to know that you care. You can't show up on the block pass out a few flyers and immediately build the trust that's going to be necessary in order to pour into the women's lives. They've been hurt by the church. Many of them were raised in the church and they went through an ugly divorce and somebody in the church didn't say the right thing. And whether it's fair or not, I acknowledge that it's not fair to completely disown the church because someone in the church didn't say the right thing. We don't we don't do that at the grocery store, at the sporting events. But the church just, you know, kind of catches the, you know, the brunt of that pain. But whatever the reason is, they've fallen away um, or they never were there in the first place. But yet we have millions and millions and they're raising millions and millions of children. And so we see this as truly crisis in our country. There's there's so much data that just supports the social justice crisis. But then when you get into the spiritual crisis and what will happen as a residual impact, um, I think that there, it's substantial. In terms of how many churches we're in, we have worked with over 1,500 churches around the U.S. alone to start or improve their single moms ministry. And so the way that our ministry works is that we don't own any of those ministries. They are owned by the church. They are ran by the church. We are much more like a consulting service would be the best way. Mm -hmm. Now, some churches, they do call their ministries the life of a single mom, and there's a uh, there's certain criteria they meet in order to do that. But some churches may call it ABC Baptist Church Single Moms Ministry, and we may have been that ministry that got it started and worked with that leader. Okay, I have a couple questions. Number one, um, you know, for you, even though you had this experience of having a kid, having kids very young by yourself, but yet you still clung to the church. So I would love to hear about that experience for you and what the church means to you, and and why you never left, or or did you, and what made you come back. I did leave. Um, I I left out of shame um, that all I saw, what my perception of, okay, so the perception for me was that 
every other family was normal and mine wasn't. So of course, when I grew up, there was lots of sexual assault. There was lots of physical abuse. My dad was married six times. My mother had been killed. Uh, we don't even have time today to go into the dysfunction. <laughs> uh, that was my home. But my dad felt like church was very, very important. And so even when he didn't attend with us, he would drop us off on Sunday mornings. And so it just always was instilled uh, at a very young age that church was important. And yet I felt like I didn't fit in there because all the other families um, seemed very happy and very um, put together. So that was part of just really a, a deep wound. And then to have children outside of marriage, there was no larger a sin and no more public a sin than to have children outside of marriage. And um, and so I did fall away for a while from just my own shame. And then when I tried to go back, um, I was sitting in church with this lovely elderly woman and um, it was all I could do to get to church. And I'm sitting there and I have... Um, my son and my daughter sitting next to me and she's making small talk with me and the kiddos were super cute at that age. And, and she said, well, where's your husband? It's like <laughs> the worst question you could ever ask a single mom. Um, and I said, well, I said, um, I don't have one. And she said, well, I guess that's how they're doing it these days. Cross her arms and turned her back. Oh my gosh. And so, um, <laughs> laugh about it now in the moment it was the most humiliating oh thing. I can't imagine oh, it's horrible and so I, I fell away again so I would kind of go to church on special occasions because God was was an important part of my life I, I wouldn't say I was bearing a lot of fruit at that time in my life but I knew that he was the only way I was going to survive um, and there was a, there was a um, Saturday night where I had been uh, beaten pretty bad and um, my home had been trashed. My apartment was trashed. I was at the place of contemplating taking my own life. I thought it cannot get any worse than it is in this moment. I have no money. I have no friends. I have no hope. Um, and the only reason I didn't take my life was because my mother had been killed and I knew what it was like to be raised without a mom. And I didn't want my kids to experience that. But that was really the turning point for me of saying, no matter what, I'm going to church in the morning because mm. I had no hope and maybe the church could help me. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And I, I would not um, be honest with you to tell you it was an easy journey back or that everybody said the right thing or did the right thing. 
but it was a survival mechanism for me that I could get fed physically there. You know, I would go many times because there was nothing in my fridge and we would have a meal on a Sunday night um, or that I could get fed spiritually because I was dying. Um, and so that for me, I believe with all my heart that the church is the lifeline for the broken and the hurting and those who feel unseen and unheard. Um, and so I, I don't know that I'll ever stop beating my chest for um, single moms to get connected and be intentional in the church. Yeah. Oh, it's so, yeah, it's so important. And I know probably a lot of the same statistics that you do about that and how um, being and just being in church um, for anybody is so beneficial to uh, just your uh, internal life um, and, and to your direct immediate family and your community and society as a whole. Um, and the other thing that you mentioned that um, I recently learned was just that um, something like 80% of kids become or people become Christians before the age of 18. And so that kind of reinforcing the importance of getting your kids there um, and how important that is for their entirety of their faith life throughout. Um, <clears throat> I was going to ask in terms of goals that you have as the ministry, what are some of the goals that you guys set forward to say, we want to accomplish this or the stories that you tell to say, here's what we're doing? Yes. Yeah, so we are, we have a goal. So we are embarking upon our 10th year in 2021 and really want to make it a year long 10 year celebration of what God has done. So our ministry has served over 400 in 6,000 women, which to God be the glory, uh, it's certainly every day um, is, is an adventure. But there's so many more out there that have not been touched. And I, I truly, my heart is broken for what I know this mom has to endure every day. And even when she's doing an excellent job and she's filled with hope, it's still hard hard. And so we have a goal of launching 100 new single moms ministries each year. Um, we also have a program called Single Mom University, which is an online life skills platform. So we are implementing right now we have 100 classes in the platform. Um, we're implementing another 50 classes into the platform to make it the largest life skills platform in the country for single moms to get everything from co-parenting to how to date to um, how to overcome abuse, how to have effective life balance. Literally, I don't know if there's a single mom topic that you could think of that will not be or is not currently in single mom university. So we feel like the support groups and university are two huge components. And then the final thing that we uh, that we do, we we believe we need to stay in our lane that God's called us to be in. And, and what we believe we do well are single mom events. So single mom conferences, um, we have about 1,500 to 2,000 women that are slated to be a part of our national single moms conference in August of 21. Um, we're excited about that. It's one of the largest gatherings of single moms um, in the Christian realm for certain. Um, and then we also do boot camps, which are very small, 15 to 20 mom, two day intensives of here's how you're going to not only survive, but you'll learn to thrive. You'll learn to find your place and do this thing called life well. And so those are the goals is to really continue to forge through despite a pandemic, despite how ministry may look different in churches now and really teach churches how to do virtual ministry well and um, that moms would not forsake the gathering. And maybe it's virtual right now. Maybe in your community it is. 
is in person, but don't forsake the gathering. Satan is masterful at convincing moms that they don't need it, um, that they don't belong, that they don't have time, that no one will understand their story. And we want to eradicate that lie from their lives so that they can be um, so that they can plant and flourish. Yeah. You know, something interesting I read on your website that I didn't know is, you know, a lot of people maybe have a stereotype of a single mom. They think of, oh, a 20 year old, you know, person with a kid. But I think it was like 40 percent are over the age of 40 um, may not be the stereotype that you think. What are some things maybe that people don't know or that they should know more about uh, single moms? So for us, um, a single mom is anyone with a legal status of single um, that has a child below 19 years old. So that's who we generally target and serve. Early on in the ministry, because I was a teen mom, I think that I really had a heart for teen moms and thought that that's where the Lord was leading me. And what was fascinating for me is it was uh, 44-year-old divorcees and it was and it was grandmothers who were parenting their grandchildren unexpectedly and a little bit of everything in between. And so for us, it is uh, I've been blown away by the socioeconomic, the uh, racial, the demographic makeup of this single mom group and really that the story's the same. So frankly, it doesn't matter. If it's a, a young teen mom, um, it doesn't matter if it's um, an inner city mom with seven children outside of marriage or any of these other stereotypes that we may carry. It doesn't matter if she is an attorney who just went through an ugly divorce. The brokenness is the same. The desire to raise their children well and not have them become a statistic is the same. And that's why we see probably the most diverse group of women on Friday nights and Saturday nights and some of the ministries that we run is because the common denominator is that I want to do this well and I don't know how and I need some help. Now, this may be an obvious question, but what do you think, what do the small groups provide for them? Why are they important? So um, it is the baseline for success. It is networking. Um, so many people think they're the only one. They uh, had a, a husband who was addicted and abandoned them or they went through abuse or there was an affair or whatever. They always think they're the only one. So part of it is really just recognizing you're not the only one and there's some power in that. The other thing is, is that we want to teach you how to become uh, someone who is a servant. So you come in broken, hurt, disappointed, confused, uh, drowning. That's where you enter. And it doesn't matter what age the kid is and it doesn't matter where how long you've been a single mom. That's always the entry point. But then the, the goal is you meet friends, you network, you find the best daycares, the places that are hiring, all the things that you need in life. You get the life skills you need and then you mentor someone who's a little bit um who's entering the journey. You're a little further along than her. And so the idea is that there, there's this ongoing ministry that takes place. It's not a six-week Bible study or 12-week divorce care class, which those are great. But we believe that single moms ministry is long-term, the exact same way youth ministry is, and that people can be coming in and out of the ministry at any point during the year. There's no um, clear entry point because we know that that meets the most need. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like just the fact that the group is 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 focused on single moms because so many times I think you see, um, for example, I, I always use this example, but just like 
you know, in let's say a recovery meeting or something like AA, people can come in and they can talk about their problem and they can really just like dump it all out there with other people that get it. But a lot of times the other issues in life, if you don't have a drug or alcohol problem, for example, you don't really have a space to, to wrestle with a specific problem. Um, obviously this isn't just one problem, but so I think, I think you're right in that it's so important that, th that there is that safe space for them to talk about the very, um, the issues that are going to affect single moms specifically. Um, now what could you say to just churches generally outside of, of having one of these groups? Like what more can churches be doing to reach out better to single moms? Because, it really breaks my heart to hear that statistic. And I love the church as well so much. And, and I want them to do a better job. I want to encourage my church to do a better job. And so what can they be doing better? Yes. So um, on our website, there is um, you can search 50 ways to minister to single moms, 50 ways to mm. serve single moms. So there's so many ways um, and it kind of, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of evangelism and discipleship, we believe that an effective single moms ministry at a church includes ongoing, regularly um, scheduled Bible studies, but then also outreaches. So the outreaches is what draws the folks in the car preps and the um, and the the and all these things that are creative. And that's just as endless as your mind can wander. But then, and it, and those are the ways that people who wouldn't broach the doors of your church will come. But then you continually invite them to come in and you're building a database. So you may have hundreds of women on a database that attended an event one time, but it may take them three years to decide that they want to come to your Bible study. It's staying the course. It's being faithful. It's identifying faithful single moms who can lead the group or former single moms. And it's truly in saying this is a journey um, that we're not just on a one and done. Um, and that's, I think, probably the biggest mistake that churches make. Um, and then I also would just encourage to be able to see with your spiritual eyes um, the things that are going on beyond the surface, not uh, not just what's happening at church on a Sunday. Um, and I also want to say that single moms ministries are not about getting together and licking wounds. Um, I think that's a misnomer that we gotta, we've got to all get together and talk about our exes and how bad it is. It's empowerment. It's encouragement. It's forging the way that it ain't over yet. And God's not through with you and that we're locking arms to be successful. So I don't want churches to think that this is always triage and wound care. It's not. It's exciting. Single moms ministries can get together and serve the homeless. They can do things to give back as well. So do you have any um, like a story of an individual that you could share someone that you've seen really benefit from it? Oh gosh, I should have prepped you for that. I'm sorry. We don't have time. I know. I'm, I'm sure she'll have one. Uh, yeah. So there, I'll just uh, I'll quickly share. Uh, Casey was a single mom that was in our group, and um, she was attending the group um, pretty regularly. Um, and then I noticed that she joined our food team. So the way that we structure all of our ministries is we we. Um, teach the leaders how to forge volunteer teams anyway. So she was on this food team. And um, after a meeting one night, she slipped a letter into my Bible. And so, and, and, and I'm grateful. I get thank you letters a lot or, or people that the ministries meant something to them. 
but I was blown away at what she said. She told me that when she started attending the group, that she had actually started planning her own funeral and that she had bought a binder. She had picked out her outfit. She had even given her car away. That's how close to suicide that she was. And um, and then she talked about how that she knew God in junior high, but felt like he had left her, that she'd gone too far and had done too much. And she came to the single moms group at a prompting of one of her girlfriends that just kind of nagged her for weeks on end. So when she attended the first one, she had no intention of ever coming back again. But over the course of the next months, and this was over the course of a year, actually, um, it changed her life and it gave her hope and she burned the binder and it just, um, it just blows my mind how many women forgive me for, for being tearful, but it's not, that isn't a unique story that women are drowning and that we're so busy uh, pointing our fingers that we won't get into the ditch with them and be with them until they're able to climb out. Um, and that's what church is. And so it just breaks my heart. And um, and yet I know there's so many churches that are doing it well. And I'm thankful for those. So yeah. anyway, so that's one of many. Well, thank you for sharing that. Like you're going to have, I'm tearing up now. I <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that that's a beautiful story. And I, I'm sure there are so many more. Um, well, Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your story here today. I, I hope to to really get this out there to a lot more people and a lot more churches. And, and I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right. Um, I was just going to uh, say a couple more words before I'm going to hit stop recording. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.